0: The following podcast is a Dear Media production. This is Being Bumo. A podcast for the modern parent that wants to be the best version of themselves while being the best parents they can be for their kids. We'll be spotlighting parents and experts who are not only inspiring but also willing to share with us how it really is because as we all know parenting can be equally as rewarding as it is challenging. We're here to make your life easier a little less stressful and help you navigate through this complex thing called parenting. Welcome back, Bumos. I hope you are ready for today's episode because it is a good one. Maggie Nick of Parenting with Perspectacles is our guest today. She is a mama of two and a parenting expert and therapist. She talks about why modern parenting does not work. She focuses on viewing kids' anger and tantrums in a very different way and also discipline methods that do not work as well. She shares with us how to respond to kids when they are having a meltdown, a tantrum, or a full-blown moment, and her answers may surprise you. With that said, here's our conversation. Hi, Maggie. Welcome to Being Bumo. Thank you for being here. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be here. All right, Maggie. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself before we start our conversation today?
1: Yes, so I'm a mom. I have a six and a three year old. I'm also a counselor of a counseling practice. I work with kids of all ages. I specialize in teens, but I work with kids of all ages. And then I also have a coaching practice and my own parenting framework I'm working with parents. Like almost everybody I know, I have struggled so much that I'm pretty much in recovery now from perfectionism, people pleasing being a control freak, um, and codependency. And for the first 29 years of my life, i battled vicious self-hatred and a really messed up relationship with food. I was freaking determined to heal myself. I was so worried I was going to mess up my kids. So I didn't want them to struggle with all those same, same things. And so even after years of counseling and even graduate school to be a counselor, I still didn't understand why I hated myself so much and why at 29, I remember sitting in my counselor's office at 29 and I, I was so aware of the fact that I had no idea how to feel my feelings. I was hustling for my worth and I couldn't sit or feel with my feelings. It was, it was it, it, I had to keep numbing myself from the feelings or like hijacking myself out of it. And so, you know how you create the thing you need but can't find some of us? I created my framework because I needed a parenting framework that got what what I now call perspectives these parenting truths that I wasn't finding anywhere else about the fact that you actually can raise kids who know their worth and you actually do need kids you need to give them opportunities to feel all of their feelings and the way that we were parented and the way that we're told to parent shuts it all down and there's there's a key intersections with worth and emotions That when we can make these small shifts, it changes everything and it allows kids to get all of these things that they need and it allows them to be grounded in their worth. And I also couldn't find a parenting framework that, like, I felt like I would learn things and then I would struggle and get triggered and like yell at my kids. And I would sit there thinking, okay, you read the thing, now do the thing. (laughs) Like, what is the matter with you? And I felt like there was no space for this these times where I struggled and I was getting my hiney handed to me by parenting, there was no space for me to be like, Oh, actually this is an important part and it's okay that you're messing up. And these, this is what your kid's getting from this. And so I needed both and I didn't, couldn't find anything like that. So I, that's why I created parenting with perspectives. That's
0: incredible. What, what a beautiful story, you know, really trying to heal yourself and, you know, becoming a better parent through your own healing. So thank you for sharing that. Now, I know you focus on parenting in general, but it seems like your main focus is on kids' anger and viewing them differently. All right, so is there anything that parents don't really know about when it comes to anger issues with kids? A lot of times, including myself, sometimes uh, we're just like, oh, it's going to they're going to get over it. It's a phase. Um, but is there something that we as parents should be aware about, kind of their anger or tantrums or lashing out?
1: Yes, 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 yes. Let's get perspectives spectacles on anger. Anger is one of those things parents will ask me, do you have a book? And I don't yet. I will write one at some point, you guys, about anger. But the way that we are told to see anger is totally wrong. Okay. So most parenting frameworks, even the gentle ones, will tell us to shut the anger down. And that lines up with how we were parented. If we got mad, it wasn't safe to be mad at our parents, goodness, and it wasn't safe to ha- have anger. We were called defiant and disrespectful and disobedient. It didn't go well for us. Our parents might have said, I'm not mad, I'm disappointed in us, which makes us feel worth less, like we have no worth, not loved. And so it's so hard when our kids get angry. And in order for us to react differently, we have to understand why it triggers us so much, why alarm bells go off for us when our kid starts acting that way. But anger is one of those places where self-worth and emotional self-regulation come right to a head. When we shut down our child's anger, we're also shutting down everything else that's inside of that anger. Anger is not just anger. Sometimes there's some surface level anger about something that makes a little bit of sense. But anytime you're sitting there like, why is my kid so mad? (laughs) It's because there's all of this other stuff that's underneath that anger. It's coming out as anger, but it's also fear. It's also disappointment. It's shame. It's stress. It's overwhelm. It's anxiety. It's all this other stuff. And so when we shut it down and we punish kids, we make them feel like they shouldn't be angry. And what we're also saying is you shouldn't be scared and you shouldn't be overreacting and you shouldn't be overwhelmed. and You shouldn't be stressed, but they are, (laughs) but they believe us when we say they shouldn't be. And so kids go through the shame spiral. They think, well, I shouldn't be upset, but I am upset, but I shouldn't be upset. And so the only logical answer is there's something wrong with me. Like the biggest shift I recommend making well, there, I guess there's a couple, but one of the biggest shifts is learning how to see the anger differently. And there are ways that we can allow the anger and hold strong boundaries. Like I'm not suggesting we let our kids run the place. I'm not suggesting we let them go crazy and destroy stuff. <laughs> I'm saying there's a way to allow them to unload the anger and hold them accountable for their behavior. They can both coexist. It doesn't feel like it based on how we were parented, but it's 1 million percent possible that is very very helpful and i feel like
0: in a strange way adults are no different either it's like you should never whether it's your partner your spouse a friend like if someone's angry it's usually something beyond the surface right yeah and and sometimes we just forget that little people kids are exactly the same way as us
1: right yes except they don't have fully developed brains right? <laughs> <True. laughs> sure so there are things that are even a struggle for us. And I love that point because I think sometimes we expect something of kids. A, they're a kid, but even we can't do the thing that we're expecting them to do. Like, I, are you able to have good boundaries on your technology? Like, I have to wrestle my phone out of my hand at the end of the night. Like, Maggie, mm-hmm. put it down. Like how, it's funny when parents say, you know, my kid freaks out on me when I take away their iPad. I'm like, okay, how does it go for you? If someone were to forcibly remove your iPad, would you be like, cool here? <laughs> or would you be kind of upset? Like that's such an important point. We've got to remember that these things are hard for us too. We
0: all have heard about clean beauty products from makeup to skincare, but what about clean beauty supplements, which is why I want to introduce you guys to Aura Organic, a plant-based organic nutrition company with an incredible ingestible beauty line. This line of five products was developed to help you feel beautiful from the inside out with potent plant-based ingredients that support glowing skin, hair, and nails. I've been using it for the past few months and as a busy mom, I could really see and feel the difference. Aura Organic believes in beauty from within and harnessing the earth's most powerful plant to help you transform your health. Aura is here to help you get to the root of the common beauty struggles that we all face with products that can help with hormonal acne, dry, irritated skin, wrinkle and fine lines, which I'm actually seeing more than ever, and sun-damaged skin. They have five unique products in the line, something for everyone. Aura's ingestible beauty line was created to offer more and be easier to manage than your regular routine with innovative plant-based nutritional products to support skin, hair, and nails, and health from within, which is great for busy moms like me. I'm one of those parents that forget about things so easily. If I don't see it, then I probably won't take it. So here's a little tip that I do to make it extra simple. I actually keep my Aura Beauty products on my bathroom counter so I could actually see them and I take them while I'm doing my skincare routine and my makeup. My personal favorite product is the Aloe Gorgeous, which is a plant-based collagen booster. It's made with aloe vera, vitamin C, and pea protein, which are ingredients that act as a strong precursor for strong, healthy collagen. It actually contains ingredients that help smooth the appearance of wrinkles and fine lines. And look, it's a cleaner version of collagen. You can find Aura Organic at Ulta, Whole Foods, and The Vitamin Shop. You can also shop online at www.ora.organic and use code BUMO, B-U-M-O, at checkout for 15% off your purchase.
1: Have you ever found weird things in a vagina? Have you found yourself needing multiple partners to fulfill your desires? Hey guys, I'm Dr. Jacqueline Walters, a board-certified OBGYN. It is so important that we know how and when to ask the right questions, whether you're in front of your doctor or just hanging out with your good girlfriends. Now, I wanted to create Dr. Jackie's point of view because sometimes you need to just hear the unfiltered good old Dr. Jackie. I will inspire, uplift, and educate women and men on the who, what, when, and where of things we balance daily. Make sure you subscribe to Dr. Jackie's Point of View and tune in every Thursday.
0: What if a kid is just having a straight meltdown? Because I'm going to use my daughter as an example. She's okay. three years old. So I have a three year old and a six year old. My three. Two. Oh, amazing. Girl, <laughs> boy. Uh, oldest is a girl, youngest is a boy. Okay, very cool. I have two <laughs> girls. So my youngest, actually, she's not three yet. She's almost three. I cut her, her bread in half because, you know, wanted her to have an easier time eating it. And she flipped out, right? Like absolutely just flipped out. Obviously at three years old, it's a little different than with a teenager or even a six year old, right? The reasoning is not quite there, but what do you do in that case? Like when there's just like absolutely no way to reason with a child, Mm -hmm. And, and, their anger, and their anger and their tantrums.
1: Like, what do you do? Like, you mean if she throws stuff, if she refuses to eat it, like specifically kind of what do you do if your kid's like, I want it not cut, that kind of yeah. stuff. Yeah. So, perspectacles on. The thing is not the thing. The thing that our kids seem so mad about is never the thing. It's just the last thing. <laughs> their stress level has gotten too high. Their frustration. And so, we're catching them at a nine. And so it's the last straw. Maybe that's what people used to say to us when we were growing up. So you say, like, I talk a lot about validation and acknowledgement. Sometimes I have the energy and the bandwidth as a mom when my stress levels lower to, like, validate and... There and some days I'm just fried and I'm done. And so, some days I most of the time I have the bandwidth to validate and be that soft space. Sometimes it's like, Yeah, you're upset, and that's hard. So, we'll talk about both. Validation looks like I'm gonna hold that boundary, I'm not gonna make another sandwich. Hell no, the sandwich is fine, and it's not even about the sandwich. We don't need to go into this place of like, Well, but you like it cut this way, remember? The other like, it's not, don't take it on. There's nothing to fix here. It's not about the sandwich, it's not about how the sandwich is cut. So you hold the boundary and you say, yeah, you don't like that I cut your sandwich that way. Okay, this is between you and your body. You don't want to eat it, fine, but I'm not getting you anything else. And then you go about your day. And if she starts throwing stuff, you hold her hands and you say, I'm not going to let you do that. And for some kids, especially like four and up, they need us to go physically hands-on to stop them. Kids use boundaries as a release valve. They need something. They know their stress level's too high. And so they do something. That, totally unconsciously, that they know they're not supposed to do. And they need you to hold the boundary. They're actually asking you, hey, tell me now and hold it so I can have something to push against. And that'll let them unload all the stuff. That's what she wants. And so what she needs you to be as a confident leader and say, yeah, you don't like it when I cut your sandwich that way. Okay. That's fine. Don't need it. Up to you. Or you don't like it when I give you the shirt or you don't like that purple cup or whatever. Okay. I don't like hold the boundary. I mean, sometimes we go back, but for the most part, hold the boundary, knowing that it's not like if you remade a sandwich and cut it differently that suddenly she would eat it. Like that's, that's not it. Like you're missing yeah. the point. She just needs you to hold a boundary and let her blow. My three-year-old lately, every single meal, even ones he loves, he will refuse to eat it. And we, we have that dance every single freaking time. And then once he unloads stuff and regulates down, like down here, he's calm and delightful, cooperative. He can do what we ask. He listens, but his, it's always because for spectacles on his stress level is getting high. And so once he unloads all that and regulates back down, no big deal. So how do you
0: quote unquote unload all the stress for a child? Like
1: what does that look like? So talk about holding space. And people, I think, outside of the clinical space have no clue what I'm talking about. (laughs) So when our child is freaking out, we don't need to try to talk to them, especially if they're being really loud. We need to kind of have this energy. I have what I call the perspective that changes everything. And it's designed to help us meet all of the five needs that children have, feeling safe, soothed, seen, secure, and valuable. Four of those are the four S's by Tina Payne Bryson and Dan Siegel of a secure attachment. I always, I think the worth piece is not talked about enough. So I always talk about valuable. So I wrote the perspective that changes everything. And it's not that you necessarily say every word, but it's just kind of where your vibe, your mindset, you're sitting there thinking, wow, okay, (laughs) you're overwhelmed and you're acting that out. I'm not going to let you do that thing, but it's okay that you need to explode right now. You're overwhelmed and I'm going to hold this boundary and I'm going to let you unload all that stuff and I'm going to love you the whole time because it's okay to be overwhelmed. It's okay to be a human. You're four or you're three or you're 16 right now and you're, you're a 16 year old being a 16 year old. So we hold that boundary. Sometimes when our kids are screaming, when they're you know, being super loud, parents will try to, I love you. I love you. It's like, it's more about our energy kind of just sitting there like, yeah, okay. Like our kid in that moment needs to feel like I'm showing you my darkest sides. Do you still love me now? Like sometimes they test that way. They feel like they need that reassurance from us that all of their dark jacked up complicated sides are just as lovable as the cooperative compliance sides. And if we can show them in that moment that like there are parts of them that are so scared that you are disappointed in them, they're letting you down. And your job is to prove them wrong and to say, I'm not going to let you do that thing, but for spectacles on your three-year-old being three right now, you're overwhelmed. And once you can unload all this stuff, you'll feel better. And if they, they start hitting people, throwing things like they start doing stuff, then you go physically hands-on and you stop them. And you do that way before you're redlining, way before you're flirting with rage yourself. That's when we go hands on, and we we're too rough, and we think, oh gosh, my kid was scared of me, or I hurt them. Like we do it as soon as our kid is no, as soon as our soon as we notice that our kid can't stop themselves, and we hold that boundary. And again, as kids get older, sometimes they need that physical boundary, like they need us to physically stop them, to help them down, to grab their hands, to grab their feet. To get wrestle that thing out of their hands. And that's what will trigger the explosion. And parents say, but when I do that, they go into orbit. And I say, great. <laughs> that's what they needed. Like, that's not a failure. That's a success. Now that's, that's the final boundary they needed to trigger that full explosion. Now let them blow. Hold boundaries around aggression. But let them go right now. Get out of the way. There's nothing you need to do here. You don't need to manage this. You don't need to redirect them. You don't need to control it. Just Yep. Have this energy of like, yep, you're strong enough to do this. Let's go. Yeah, That's it's hard. Great. Yeah, And then as they're down, you're like, yeah, it's, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be blank. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to be upset. You're mad at me. It's okay to be mad at me. And you just kind of got this vibe of like, you got this. Is
0: it? And I realized that whenever my daughter goes into full blown kind of cry mode and she's frustrated and we just kind of let her like have her moment. Just seconds later, she is an angel. (laughs) Crazy. And I'm sure a lot of parents can relate to this. And it it seems like that is sometimes parents don't realize that, but that is the tactic that you're talking about is letting them actually have their space and have that moment. And once they kind of let it all out, Mm -hmm. then like, Things are all good
1: again. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think we have a baseline stress and frustration level and I like to use a zero to 10 scale. Okay. At 10 at the top is a release valve. Our body can't hold any more stress. This is for us too. We have, we're a lot more stabilized because we're not developing, not the throes of development like they are, but any of us, when we hit 10, our body's going to force a release. And I had did a post recently on calm down corners and got, So many messages (laughs) from people, kind of mad at me, but I stand by it. We don't want to stop an explosion. You know, we don't want a child to regulate from a 10 down to, let's say, a 7, because then they're still here. They have this much bandwidth. We need them to regulate all the way down. And so the closest thing to magic I've ever seen is when a child, and I've had it in my office countless times. And obviously with my own children and with myself, like the closest thing I've ever seen to magic is when a child regulates all the way down. And it's like the calm self comes back to you. And a lot of times they're like, what happened? Why was I so mad? Why did I do that? They don't know. There's this whole, don't, you need to make good choices. Like none of us can make a good choice when we're dysregulated like that. Yeah. You know, especially when we're kids.
0: That makes a whole lot of sense. (laughs) Now, then where do you stand with discipline then? Because Mm -hmm. I feel like it goes hand in hand, right? You know, usually parents do timeout or some sort of consequence after a child acts out or after a child becomes angry and is doing something inappropriate that they shouldn't do. So Mm -hmm. if you're saying, let them have their moment, where does the discipline come in?
1: Yes. Great question. So I'm all for strong consequences and holding kids accountable. Maybe more than feels comfortable. <laughs> I think there's a lot of gentler parenting approaches that feel a little bit kumbaya to me, where there's not that piece. And that is not at all what I'm proposing. Kids need to know when I do this that my parents are gonna hold me accountable. And there there have been many counseling clients who otherwise were pretty good and the parents were not holding things accountable. And those kids were acting that out because it doesn't Mm -hmm. feel safe. They don't feel secure. I like to think as a parent, when you have a boss, I don't have a boss anymore. That's awesome. But when I did, if you have a boss where you make one mistake and you're like, oh gosh, oh gosh, oh my gosh, they're gonna be so mad at me. Oh my gosh. I can't tell them. I have to figure this out. I have to lie. I have to, ah, ah, right. Versus having a boss who says you made a mistake. It's okay. I mean, there's going to be a consequence for this. Like, we got to figure this out. You're going to have to work nights and weekends, but it's okay. You did your best. I saw that you were really trying. We'll do better next time. Holds you accountable, but doesn't make you feel like a worthless piece. That feels Mm -hmm. very different. And that's, I'm advocating for the second approach, where we absolutely hold kids accountable when they break something, when they hurt people, when they do the thing they're not supposed to. I do think we need to d- distinguish between a child who's like completely out of themselves. Like when we have mom rage and we're gone, like mm-hmm. lights on nobody home and I'm just screaming and I'm not even in my head. Right. Like, I think there should be, if, if somebody's hurt, if something's broken, I think there needs to be consequences for that. But like sometimes when a kid's totally out of themselves, like they've literally lost control of their, their minds and bodies. Like sometimes mm-hmm. there's nuances there. But I think we can hold them accountable and say, yeah, you know that you're not supposed to do that. I'm not going to let you do that. And because you did, here's your consequence. Hmm. But I don't believe in punishments. I distinguish between consequences and punishments. What's the
0: difference.
1: Yeah, I was going to say punishments are, so consequences, holding a child accountable is saying you did this. And because of that, this. Obviously, when there's a natural consequence, when they play unsafely with the toy, we take the toy away. Sometimes there are no natural consequences. I firmly believe that when there's no natural consequence, we have to do our best to come up with a consequence. I don't, there are a lot of parenting approaches that advocate for no natural consequence unless, you know, no consequence unless there's a natural one. I I couldn't disagree more. I think Mm. it's not ideal, but if my child's screaming in my face (laughs) and won't stop, like short of what am I going to do? Like put my hand over their mouth. Like, right. There needs to like, my child is sometimes prompting me for the consequence now so mm-hmm. that they can get, have something to push against. So sometimes we just have to do our best. And sometimes it's in my house. It's okay. Then your brother gets to pick the TV show. The next time we watch mm. like, whew, that sends my daughter into orbit <laughs> and that's the consequence she needed, you know? Mm. Um, so I firmly believe that this happens, this happened, like there needs to be a consequence, punishment to me is a consequence plus fear and shame. Mm. So it's a, it's where consequences. Okay. Well, you were really overwhelmed. You broke that thing. I'm not going to let you break things in my house when you're upset. You can be upset. I want you to be able to have all your feelings. I'm not going to let you hurt people. I'm not going to let you do things because you did. Your brother's going to get to watch TV right? If there's no obvious natural consequence, or we got a minivan last summer and my kids were obsessed with opening and closing the doors. So for like a month, the consequence was you don't get to open the door and they would freak out about that. Cause sometimes when there's just not one, I, we just had to do something, you know? Right. Right. There needs to be a fallout, not from a like punitive place or like a paying the price, but just there needs to be a consequence. Punishment is, I can't believe this. What is the matter with you? I cannot believe, I'm so disappointed in you. This is so messed up because you did this. Duh, you can't do this. Like that to me, there's all this, I'm getting infuriated. Mm-hmm. I'm saying things like, what's the matter with you? Which my kid's like, I don't know. What is the matter with me? Oh God, there's something wrong with me. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm dropping the D word. I'm saying I'm disappointed. I'm doing all this other stuff. And I don't, that's, I think that is damaging for their self-worth. I think we can do it you know, sometimes we're humans too. And sometimes we're going to be overwhelmed and it's going to come out that way. And there are ways right. to refer to that. But I think consistently we need to try to stay in the consequence end of things, where it's, we're holding them accountable. We're also loving them through. We're, we're knowing that one of the things about perspectives that I always say is there's this BS happening in the surface. Our kids flailing, they're losing their mind, all the stuff happening on the surface, but our kid needs to feel that we trust and believe and know that they're still in there, that mm-hmm. this is not them. This, they're overwhelmed and they're acting something out, but who our child really is, they're still in there. And we need to connect with that person inside and say, "Woo! this is not you. You're in there. Mm-hmm. And I love you. I'm not going to let you do this, but I love you.
0: When mama's not feeling good, it affects whole family. We all know that. That is why skincare and body care are something I do every day to treat myself. Milk and Honey is a line of non-toxic, effective and safe bath, body and skincare made in small batches in Austin, Texas. I was actually born in Texas, so this makes me super happy to have discovered this brand. I've been using their Blue tansy Balm and I am obsessed. It makes my skin so, so soft. Milk and Honey sources ingredients as hyper clean as possible. That means choosing organic above all else and making thoughtful, informed choices on safe, synthetic ingredients when organic is impossible." Milk and Honey's products are developed alongside their in-house team of esthetician at the Milk and Honey Spa. I'm excited to hear that their first spa out of Texas is opening up in Los Angeles, in Brentwood specifically this year, and I will definitely be utilizing it when I can. They will be offering their complete product collection there and offer their full range of massage and body treatments, facials and hydrofacials medical aesthetics, waxing, manicure, pedicures. I mean, you name it. I am craving it so badly right now. Anyways, being Bumo listeners can enjoy 15% off your next order at milkandhoney.com with the code Bumo15, B-U-M-O 15. When I first became a mom and learned about all the harmful ingredients in some skincare products, and also kids' skincare products, it completely surprised me. Did you know that the FDA bans only 12 potentially harmful ingredients in skincare products? Scary, right? I was introduced to a brand called Pipette when I had my second child and wish it came into my life sooner. Pipette actually bans more than 2,000 ingredients, ensuring products are safe, effective, and use only non-toxic ingredients available. Pipette is a clean baby and mom care brand with a mission to give every family the best start. We all want what's best for our children, and that includes using only the safest products on their delicate skin. Pipette's products are also EWG verified, vegan, hypoallergenic, sustainable, and pediatrician and dermatologist approved. All of Pipette's products are made with a key ingredient, squalene. Pipette has quickly become a customer favorite for its ultra gentle baby lotions, oil, and wash, and right now you can score 30% off its entire collection of personal care items. Visit pipettebaby.com and get 30% off with the code BUMO, B-U-M-O. Now I saw um, a post that you did about spanking. So what are your thoughts on spanking and what urged you to talk about that? Because I feel like that's such a tricky subject. Yeah. Yeah or sensitive subject, really.
1: It is. Yeah, that's one of those I haven't actually done a post on until recently because I wasn't exactly sure how to handle it. I wanted to do it with the intention of reaching parents who do currently spank. You know, I think there's a lot of us that, um, well, there are people that spank and don't see the problem. Then there are people who don't want to spank, but come really close and maybe do sometimes. And then there are people that would never spank. And so I, I kind of didn't want to preach to the choir, the people who already get it. I wanted to reach the parents and I wanted to do it in a way where they didn't feel ashamed, where they could receive it and be like, oh, it's okay that I've done this because that's how I was parented, but maybe it's not the right call. Um, and I was waiting until it kind of felt right to, write had the right wording and the right tone and the right vibe. So that came this week. So that's when I posted it. <laughs> So I've had a lot of parents in my practice who spank. Um, I've had some that claim it's biblical. I've had some who explain to me that it's a very calm thing and they explain to their child they're about to hurt them. (laughs) I have others that talk about doing it in a, in a rage. And so I've kind of learned how to talk about it one-to-one. I just wasn't really sure until this week. So it's, it can be hard to see the impact of spanking if it happened to us. We're sort of defended against seeing the trauma that it causes that's human nature. Um, it's like the traumas over there and there's a part of us that's like, no, don't look, don't look over there. <laughs> Here's what I like to say. We don't want to make it seem normal in any way that a person who loves your child hurts them. Like spanking normalizes that, that my mom loves me and she hurts me on purpose. Sometimes she's even calm and calmly explains to me that she's about to hurt me and then she does it. Like we're combining fear and shame and physical pain. And I get that the the thought, I guess, is to teach them a lesson, but it doesn't teach them anything. Like it silences the alarm bells we want them to have when they grow up. We want there to be alarm bells that say, someone who loves me is not supposed to hurt me. It's going to silence those. That doesn't serve them. And it sends kids through that shame spiral with Physical pain—that's like, why did I do that? What is the matter with me? Why couldn't I trust myself? Why couldn't I stop myself? What is wrong with me? That good old shame spiral, and it just—it's incredibly damaging for kids. It makes them so they can't trust themselves. Parents will say, "I still trusted my parent when they spanked me," and I'll say, "Well, that's not the trust I'm worried about." It erodes your self-trust. Makes kids feel like, "I can't trust myself and my impulses." It's damaging.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because in our household, we don't spank at all. We don't believe Mm -hmm. in it. But both my husband and I growing up, especially in the Asian family, Mm -hmm. it was normal. It was natural. Right. And I think obviously our parents realize that now that it wasn't okay. Mm -hmm. But when you're and, you know, their parents probably also spanked them as well because it was just what they did. But it's interesting how you talk about that the two can't really coincide, which is love and pain. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think it's, this is one of those things I, I always thought I would never spank, but I have been, I've been to that place a couple of times and I thought, yep, I'm here. This is the place where people do it. And I have empathy for parents. I do. I have empathy. I think we, none of us were raised to manage our stress. None of us were raised to, to tolerate our feelings. And so we get hijacked and overwhelmed and sometimes impulses take over. I'm not saying it's okay, but I understand why parents do it. And I've been to that place and thought, all right, I'm here. This is, if I were going to do it, this is the moment. And I would feel justified and I would feel righteous. (laughs) I've never done it and I will never do it. It's one of my like absolute not happening, but I get it. I understand why parents do it. And that was really my intention was trying to reach those parents that maybe didn't understand the impact and maybe nobody's mm-hmm. ever approached it in a way where it didn't make them feel so ashamed of themselves. You know, shame shuts us down. If I'm right. reading something and it's shaming me, I can't even continue. It's like, oh, I want to hide.
0: <laughs> yeah, so, absolutely.
1: It's okay. It's, it, we can always break that cycle. We have to be brave enough, but we can always break that cycle. And that's important. Let's talk about the complete opposite,
0: which is a silent treatment. So this is like I'm like you're not even worthy of talking to at this point because what you did was completely wrong, so it's completely opposite, which you're not even touching your child, but I've also heard that that is very damaging as well. So yeah. can you explain why, even though you would see you would assume that one or the other extreme would be better than the other?
1: right Yeah, so. <laughs> Silent treatment, this is one of those things that made me think, nobody's talking about this and I can't, I'm not going to let this happen, kind of, when I started recognizing silent treatment everywhere and how often that's sort of a normal part of parenting that nobody questions and calls out. So the silent treatment, I think we can all raise our hand that we were silent treatment in one way or another. That's when our parents iced us out and it's withdrawing and withholding our love, attention and affection from our kids it's denying them connection when they're dysregulated and it's incredibly damaging kids you know kids have this primal impulse to seek out their parent when they're dysregulated when their stress level gets too high and for a parent to withhold that withdraw and withhold when a child is actively seeking out a parent is incredibly damaging i can't tell you how many counseling clients we've traced back Their current struggles back to the origin trauma that is driving their eating disorder, their addiction, their perfectionism, their anxiety, their depression. It's these moments. They will come back to this moment and they'll picture themselves begging their parent, you know, to talk to them. Talk to me. I need a hug. I need a hug. And the parents just standing there icing them out. It's incredibly damaging. It's big T trauma for kids. It's so messed up. And sometimes we as parents, especially if we are trauma survivors ourselves, sometimes our stress level jumps and I have felt it where we are kind of repulsed by our child. And there are parts of me that say, this is what we do next. You know, it's been a process of learning and expecting those parts to show up because that's how I was parented and making sure that my stress level isn't flirting with rage so that I can make a good choice and get my perspectives on and go, no. Like I'm not ever gonna put my child in a situation where they need me and I'm making them, them feel pathetic for needing me or I'm denying or withholding love and affection from them for discipline. That is never happening. But I certainly have those parts that want me to do that based on how I was parented. That was my modeling. That was my conditioning as a child. But it's, it's one of those things that, that if you want to raise a child who knows their worth, you can, that can't coincide with silent treatment. It just can't. It makes them feel not loved. It makes them feel abandoned. It's an emotional abandonment for a child.
0: It's interesting because it's like both the physical and the non physical kind of have the same, strangely, same effects on yep. a child, which is abandonment, like not having enough worth uh, for their parents. But it's like so different, right? Both mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Both how, shame, though. How about timeout? Because obviously timeout is something that a lot of parents do practice, Um, whether it's a consequence or, um, I don't know, after doing something wrong. What are your thoughts on timeout?
1: Never. (laughs) I can't lead with this because people would be like, what is she talking about? But no, I mean, again, sending a dysregulated child away. essentially what we're doing. I mean, we may not be fully icing them out, but we're saying you need me right now and you don't get me right now. Go away, go to your room, sit over there while I'm over here. Like, no, no. There's a movement uh, of, and as I understand, it's called time in. I guess I'm in for that. I don't understand it fully to speak to it, but I would much rather you give any other consequence than that because that that does feel like an emotional abandonment for a child. They need you in that moment. The concept of co-regulation is that your child is dysregulated, their stress levels off the charts, and they need you to be the calm one so that they can regulate to where you are. Like they need you to be accessible. If you're so triggered and dysregulated that yourself, that you cannot be there for them in that moment, then you need to go and load some stuff and regulate down and then be accessible for your child. That's happened to me. I'm I'm a survivor of extensive childhood trauma, multiple forms. And so there are times that I get activated and my stress level is very high. And I am in that place where I I cannot attend to my child. I'm too far gone. (laughs) And so it's this conversation of, I can see that you need me right now. You need a hug. My six-year-old mostly. I I told her the one to 10 scale and I'll say, I'm at a nine right now. I need to go punch some pillows, scream into a pillow, do something to unload some of this frustration, and then I'll be able to be there for you. Just right this minute, I'm a little too overwhelmed with what's going on. I can have this verbal connection and this verbal bridge of connection to say, I see you, you're there, you need me. As soon as I can be there for you, I will. And there's nothing negative happening there, only good stuff. Me modeling that I have needs, that I'm paying attention to my body. And when I'm dysregulated, I take active steps to unload it and to regulate back down. Me connecting with her, because there are going to be times that she is stressed and overwhelmed and can't be there for someone. And she needs to know it's okay for her to say, I can't help that person right now. I'm too overwhelmed. You know?
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But what if someone's like, but my child, she acts so much better after a timeout, right? Like, mm-hmm. what what do you do in that case? How do you break that cycle? Because, like, they figured out something that works for their family where it's like, okay, she's acting up. We'll give her, like, a timeout or a time-in, whatever you want to call it. Because I've looked into time-ins as well. And it, it, to me, it's just a nicer way of saying like I'm not punishing you, but you need to be by yourself and you need to like regulate your emotions. But mm-hmm. to me, that's still like sending you mm-hmm. somewhere, right? Yeah. But but not necessarily punishing you, but like spending right. time with yourself, right? Mm-hmm. So to me, it's yeah. kind of the same thing. What do you tell a parent who feels like timeouts are effective for their child?
1: I respect that it seems that way, right? I mean, we we only know what we know. Um, one of the big beefs I have about the way that we were parented and the way we're told to parent is that it's we're chasing this idea where a child doesn't need to blow up anymore. Right, we're sort of eradicating the blowups, which clearly I'm not okay with. There's no way that a child, after being sent away and not receiving the Safety, security, soothing, valuableness, and oh my gosh, save soothing and secure about whatever the five needs, <laughs> and and being just drowned in shame. There's no way that they feel good about themselves. Like I think we might be confusing a child who has fallen out of favor with a parent and is now in desperate desperate to get back in their good favor and be the helper. And like, do you see me? Am I okay? Do you love me? Like, that's kind of what we see after a big shame event in a family. You're not seeing a child who feels good about themselves, who all their needs are met. They're physiologically, they're calm. I think we, in my, it's it's hard because my kid sometimes goes into that sort of super helper mode. I've noticed my older one, and she'll sort of go into that, like, seeking my connection mode, where she's sort of like, I'll help you. What do you need? (laughs) And that's not her coming from a good place of wanting to be a helper. That's like, she's annoyed me and I'm stressed and I've made some sort of look at her and she's sort of like, Oh God, my mom is mad at me. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. Oh God. You know what I mean? Like to me, when, when a parent says that kind of thing to me, and I hear that a lot, I've heard that about spanking. I've heard about all the things like your child is not coming from this place of regulated down, comfortable in themselves, calm, all needs met. It's more like they've fallen out of favor and now they're desperate to get back in your favor. They're desperate to feel seen. They're desperate to feel valuable by any means. We don't want a child to implode. You know, I was a good kid. I was a kid that never tested boundaries, never acted out. And that's because I repeatedly imploded. I needed to get stuff out, but when I did, it didn't go well for me. And so I learned to pretend I was fine and hold all that stuff in. A child who is at a 10 cannot get down to a zero without unloading stuff. Going to their room and sitting by themselves in shame is not going to take their stress level from a 10 to a zero. They're still here. And five minutes down the road, something's going to come up and they're going to hit that release valve again. The only way to get them all the way down is to set and hold the boundary or consequence they need. Allow them to go down and love them the whole damn time see it all differently so that we understand that this is what my kid needed to do. They needed to explode. They needed to unload stuff so they can regulate all the way down. So it's almost
0: like viewing the imploding, this like explosion as a positive thing, really.
1: We always want the explosion. Always. Mm -hmm. It's not fun. It can be triggering, but it's important. And parents will say, okay, well, there's no way I'm signing up for that because my kid's explosions last 40 minutes. If we think about it on a chart, like that's pressure, pressure, pressure building, right, they're a volcano. Like if you let your child have the little baby explosions, right, about dinner, if you hold that boundary and let your child, she'll regulate back down. When the pressure has built, 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 those are the ones that I need a glass of wine after because I'm just like, good grief. You know, the more that we let them explode, the more tolerance they have for the anger and the frustration, the less it dysregulates them. It'll, they'll still be dysregulated. But when a child is used to not being angry and angry hits them like a bus, it's very overwhelming for them. So the more that you let them be angry on the little things that seem like no big deal, we can sit there and go, it's not about this thing. It's not, I'm gonna hold this boundary and they can just be mad and let them have that explosion I'm not suggesting everybody sign up for like five 40 minute explosions a day. The more that you do this, the more that your child will see that you're going to hold the boundary and it will be less of a battle. The parents whose kids really test boundaries are the parents who can't hold boundaries. Once you show up and you're solid and there's no, so you're telling me there's a chance happening. <laughs> you know, if our, if we set a boundary and our kids like, please, 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 whatever. And we give in, then the next time that it's, that's not their fall, their brains find something disturbing. They feel a little bit too powerful. They talk to you out of boundary. And so they're going to need to explore that. So I think the more that we allow the small explosions, the more that we let them blow over the seemingly insignificant stuff, the less likely we are to have one of these where it's just a huge spike and it completely fries us. I, I, this makes a lot of sense. And kind of going back
0: to our conversation in the beginning, adults are no different either, right? It's, You know, during these times where we're all kind of stuck at home and having to really sit with our own emotions, it's really important even as adults to let that steam out a little bit every single day or else like you're just going to have this huge, massive explosion. Right. So, yeah, it's no different than that. Well, thank you so much. I mean, this was really incredible and you definitely have helped me view anger, kids' anger in a very different light, almost in a positive way, which is- Yes. Yes, which is hard for any parent to really accept, especially when they're actually in the middle of something. So thank you so much. Um, Where can
1: everyone find you? I'm I'm sure people are going to
0: want to learn more about you. Where can we find you?
1: Yeah. I'm on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram community is much bigger. Stupid Facebook. Sorry, Facebook. Um, (laughs) But I'm at Parenting with Perspectacles. I think if you just do parenting with P usually it comes up because Perspectacles is not really a word, but I'm rebuilding my website right now on maggienick.com. That'll be back up at some point. I'm building a big, bad website, but for right now I'm on all the socials. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Maggie, for your time. And
0: I will talk to you soon.
1: Thank you for having me. Bye.
0: I hope you guys enjoyed today's episode. If you liked it, please take a second to rate, review, and subscribe. It really is the best way to support the show. Also, if you want to see more of us, head over to our Instagram and follow us there at Bumo Parent. And to learn more about Bumo Brain Virtual School, follow us at Bumo Brain or head over to bumobrain.com. Thank you guys so much for listening and I'll see you guys next week.